Hey, good morning, Bridgewater Conklin. I hope all of you are doing very well this morning. I hope you're excited to be here this fine morning. Okay. All right, not bad, not bad. Some of you are still waking up. All right, some of you are still adjusting to um, I don't know what it is. Hey, Dawn, do you want to come back up and uh, we'll banter back and forth a little bit? They like that with you and uh, Aaron. Is that good? We'll work that out a little bit. I, I don't like them doing that. I, I'm, I thought I was the comedy act. I would get disappointed by not. I'm joking, joking. Hey, it is so good to be here this morning. I hope that you guys are excited. And as we look at this thing, as we continue in this series of call, that we are calling Crazy Faith, um, I hope, all right, and it, it is our hope as a church that God is working in your life, all right, and moving in your life through this idea of faith. That, that God is working the faith in your life. One of the things that I believe about faith is faith is like a, a muscle. And what do, I, what do I mean by that? The more you work a muscle out, what happens? The stronger it gets. I wear shirts like this because I don't want to scare anybody. Yeah, you laugh about that. Thanks. Now you're awake. Two minutes ago, you're all asleep. Now, yeah, I understand. Anyway, all right, but, but the more you work a muscle, the stronger that muscle gets. Now, in faith, the same is true. The more that we exercise our faith, do you realize the stronger your faith gets? Sometimes just that small little step of faith, you move out, uh, your faith will get stronger as a result of that, and it'll grow. So through this series, I hope that your faith is growing, that your faith is being challenged, that God works in the lives of everyday people. He doesn't work in the amazing people, right? Rather, amazing people become amazing people because God is working through them. Last week's message, Abram. There was nothing special about Abram. 75 years old, right? Anybody here 75? I'm not trying to insult you, okay? Right? But God calls him and he uses him. And what became amazing was the fact that Abram, all right, later Abraham, followed God. And then his faith suddenly grew and it exploded in his life. So crazy faith, as we are moving forward in this series and this idea of crazy faith, I, I, I hope, I pray that your life is being changed as a result of faith in Jesus Christ. And this morning, that is what we are going to be looking at, this very idea that faith grows, that faith, we need to move out sometimes of our comfort zones and see our faith expand and our faith grow. One of the verses that we are looking at um, is, is this idea right here from Hebrews chapter 11, or it's this verse right here from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, which says this, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see, all right? Faith is confidence. We have confidence in a God that is there. If you are an unbeliever this morning, all right, if you are here, you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, that's what your struggle is when you walk in the door, right? Your struggle is, I'm not certain that there is a personal God that is there, all right? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have taken that step in saying, I want to put my faith in this. Why? Because I believe that there is a God. I have confidence in what we hope for. I have confidence in this God. I have assurance, even though I have not seen him. And crazy faith, crazy faith, uh, the definition that we've been using is this, thoughts and actions, all right, that may seem unreasonable, but trusting fully in what you cannot explicitly prove. Uh, Dawn mentioned, and you guys see the, the baptismal pool over here this morning, that we had a, we had a baptism in the first service. And uh, I just want to reference this for you because our, our baptism this morning, she's a sixth grader. I think she just finished sixth grade. Um, and her testimony was something along the lines of this. 
I, I started praying. I was coming to church. I was watching Veggie Tales. I was praying when my parents split up and my cat was no longer with me. I was praying that God would bring them back together and so that I could get my cat back or something along those lines. Now, I want to tell you, I don't know that that qualifies as crazy faith. But for a young lady that's 11, 12 years old, somewhere in that range, crazy faith was having my life changed by veggie tales. Crazy faith was saying that she started reading her Bible at night. This is a young girl. Crazy faith was that she was praying that God would bring her mom and dad back together again. Crazy faith was her mom and dad sat right here this morning together, right? Is that crazy faith? Yeah, give a round of applause for that, right? We think faith has to be great, big, and strong, and muscular, and it's got to be for the bold. It's, oh, it's the pastor. It's the person that's gone to seminary. It's the person, oh, 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 that's done everything. Faith is small as a mustard seed, right? Pastor Josh spoke on that a couple weeks ago, can grow. Do you think she could see that mom and dad were going to be getting back together again? Do you think she could explicitly prove that if she prayed that way, mom and dad would be here this morning to see her baptized? How about that? That's faith. Crazy faith in your life. Sometimes it just takes that little nudge, a little step, a little push. And as we walk through this crazy faith, a great God, an extraordinary God doing things with everyday people, I hope that our lives can be changed. Week number one was just about that idea of crazy faith. Week number two was about faith as small as a mustard seed, baby faith. Maybe it just takes a little bit of faith to get started. Week number three was about maybe faith, right, last week. And maybe God is telling me to do this. Maybe God is pushing me this direction. Maybe I will just follow along and I will do that until God proves differently, until God says, no, 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 you got it wrong, you missed it. Maybe faith was the idea that maybe if I can just have 51% of belief in my life and follow God towards what it is he's pushing me towards, maybe that faith will be strengthened. This week, we want to continue on, and this week, we're going to be looking at baby faith, maybe faith. Now, what's next? Wavy faith, huh? There you go. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty original, huh? My thanks to Michael Todd, who was the pastor that uh, that title is taken from there. Um, but but wavy faith, and you're going to see in a minute why we're calling this wavy faith, all right? But we wanna, we're trying to progress forward here, right? Starts out with just, just that little bit of a baby faith, just that small, small faith, progresses to maybe 51%, which will progress this week to maybe there's a faith out there that God is pushing you, he, where God is pushing you. There's something out there that he wants you to do, and it's going to take a step of faith for you to step out and do that. Wavy faith. Wavy faith means that everything isn't lined up. Everything's not taken care of. Instead, we got to step out there and move forward. If you're like me, um, I prefer not to have faith, right? You're like, whoa, 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 that's, don't be, be careful. Um, let me explain that. If you're like me, what I prefer is to have everything lined up. Not that I'm super organized, I am not, but I like to know how to fix things. I like to be self-dependent. I want to do it myself. I want to fix it myself. I want to take care of it myself if it needs to be done. If you're like me, if a job needs to be done, who's the right person to do the job? 
It's not the right answer. By the way, I actually agree with that. Not me, somebody else. That's what I agree with. No, but when you want a job done right, who does it? You do it yourself. And, and sometimes in our faith, you see, that's what comes natural is that I want to get this. I want to get it right. I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to be independent. I want to be free. Oh, if I just make a little bit more money, then I won't have to depend on my seven car payments that I have and everything else that I, right? All these, uh, I want to take care of it. You know what comes more natural to us? How about this? Some of us struggle with anxiety. That comes a little more natural, doesn't it? Some of us struggle with doubt. That comes a little more natural, doesn't it? Self-dependence, I want to depend on myself. I don't want to depend on a God. That comes a little bit more naturally too, doesn't it? You see, faith doesn't come naturally, but rather faith is something that we must see that our God is great and he who led us before will continue to lead us again today. Faith. This morning, we're going to be taking a look at a passage of Scripture. It's found in Matthew. If you want to turn there, it's Matthew chapter 14. And I, I just want to, as I, as I set this passage up for us and as we get ready to take a look at it, I want to let you know that Matthew, as he writes this gospel, Matthew is not aware that 2,000 years later, when he is writing this, there will be individuals that are reading this passage of Scripture. All right? I want us to remember that. I know that I say that frequently about the gospels, frequently about things that are written, but I, I just want us to get that in our minds. As they're writing this, they don't know what is going to take place in the future, but they want to write, and they are writing to a group of people there that they say, this is what we saw. This is what we witnessed. This is what we were a part of. And by the way, they put a lot of names in there. They put a lot of references in there. Why did they do that? Because the people that read it, look, if you don't believe me, go back and check, right? It's only 30 years ago when Matthew wrote this. It only happened, it probably happened within the previous 30 years of what Matthew was writing. That's what he was talking about. You don't believe what I'm saying? Check your history. Check what took place in Jerusalem. That's what Matthew is saying. And when Matthew writes this gospel, he is writing it for a purpose that he wants the Jews in that area to realize that Jesus of Nazareth, all right, that he was the Christ. He was the Messiah. Because there was a lot going on around that day that, oh, he wasn't the Messiah. He's just dead and gone. There were others that were proclaiming, no, he is risen from the dead. There were others that were saying, well, he was crucified and he, wasn't that, he was a great man, but not a, very, but, but not a whole lot more, and he died. They had doubts about him at that time. And Matthew was writing to say, this is who I was with. I was there with him. Believe this. Understand this. The other thing that I want to challenge you as we look at this passage is sometimes, sometimes we can lose the awe and wonder of it. And what I mean by that is if you have grown up in church, if you've been in church a long time, sometimes we just read some of these passages and we go, oh yeah, huh. That's kind of interesting. He fed 5,000 with a few loaves and some bread. Uh, yeah, that's seen that, done that. Oh, no, I've read that one before. I've heard that one. Oh, yeah, he, he raised the dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, Jesus did that. And we lose the awe. We lose the amazement of what Jesus did. And we're going to take a look at a passage this morning right here in Matthew chapter 14 about one of those moments where we can just gloss right over it because we, we know that's what happened. We understand. And I want to challenge you to just be amazed amazed by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and amazed by his ability to build into the lives of those around him. And that includes you and that includes me today. That Jesus is looking to grab onto, grab a heart of your head, grab a hold of your heart 
and make you a follower of him and have your faith grow. Why? Because he is worthy of our faith. He is worthy of our trust. And he's fully aware it doesn't come natural to us. So as we take a look at this passage this morning, we're gonna, it's Matthew chapter 11. The very first verse that we're going to look at is Matthew chapter, uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter 11. How about Matthew chapter 14? If I could see, that'd be a good thing. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. But I want to tell you what's taking place just before this. In, in the very first portion of chapter 14 here, John the Baptist is beheaded. John the Baptist is one of those that is close to Jesus in ministry. The disciples were close to him. All right? Um, he is beheaded. And after that happened, all of a sudden, Jesus was going out to a place, and he was going to maybe get some time alone. And a group of people saw him, and they followed him. And that is where he fed the 5,000 people that I was just talking about. And that takes place right here in this verse, as w- in this chapter as well. And it's on the, ed- on the end of that portion where he told the disciples, hey, take and feed all these people. And they're scratching their heads saying, how do we do that? And Jesus is just there like, hey, take a little bit and go. All right? It was on the end of that, when Jesus is finally done, the people have finally eaten, that Jesus gives this instruction immediately. All right, there is no break. They've just, John, right from John the Baptist to the feeding of the 5,000, all right, to now immediately Jesus made, and I want you to pay attention to that verse because we're going to come back to that, that word there, made, made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. Well, he dismissed the crowd. So get the picture here. It's moving towards evening, moving towards twilight, and Jesus is dismissing the crowd. They've fed them all, all right? Now the crowd is going away. Jesus is done teaching for the day, and as he is done teaching for the day, he tells his disciples, get into a boat, and I want you to head off to the other side, all right? And I'm going to meet you there maybe, whatever the plan is, all right? And he dismissed the crowd. And it continues on. After he dismissed the crowd, he comes on to say this. He went up on a mountainside by himself, to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat, the boat was out in the middle, all right? See, the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So get the picture in your mind as you see this, that there's a group that have left, the crowd has left. Jesus is now alone, going to spend some time in prayer, his disciples are in a boat. Remember, number of them fishermen, nothing abnormal for them to be in a boat, nothing abnormal for them to start looking to go away, all right, to go to wherever it is that they're going to meet Jesus next, all right? And shortly before the dawn is what we're told right here. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Now, nobody in here is really mesmerized by that, are you? We all just sat there. Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Why are we not, why are we not, what? He went out to, who, who believes that, right? We don't believe, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Come on, Matthew, you're writing a story down like that? See, we sit here, we've heard it so often, we've heard it so many times that he walked out to them on a lake that it just becomes something that's natural to us. And we lose the awe, we lose the wonder of it. And yet Jesus walking to them on a lake. How many of you have ever walked on a lake? For the record, I've sunk really well. Okay, anybody else like me, you sink really well? I I can do that. I can do that pretty well. I can even swim, all right? Um, I I like that. But Jesus comes out to them, walking to them on the lake. Normal people do not walk on lakes, correct? Normal people do not walk on water. I tried this in the first service. Um, Rick Ocasek in the cars? No, all right. 
Good thing you weren't watching MTV back in the 80s because Rick Ocasek, all right, singing, uh-oh, it's magic, walked on water and that. But lots of people like to make videos and pretend that they walk on water. Here in the greater Binghamton area, what do we do? We walk on water every winter. It's called ice. We slip, we fall, we don't like it. It's not too impressive, is it? I would prefer to walk on water when it's 80, right? And it's nice. Then if I fall in, it's not too bad, right? We prefer that idea right there. But Jesus, before the dawn, so I want you to get the picture. He sends them off at twilight. They're out there rowing and rowing and fighting and fighting in the, in the middle of the sea. And as they're doing this, Jesus, shortly before dawn, decides that he's going to walk to them on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, walking on the lake, their immediate reaction was, wow, that's really cool. Teach me to do that, right? Let's get water skiing going. Let's, they threw out a boat, and they're going to do some water skiing or something like that. Their immediate reaction is what? They're terrified. Why are they terrified? Because people don't walk on lakes, all right? We don't walk on water. One of the things that the disciples, that is taking place right here in the disciples' lives is something that takes place in yours and my life and in our faith every day. And it's this right here. They see Jesus 100% man. They see him as a great, great man who has a lot of neat tricks. And we think he might be the son of God. He certainly does a lot of cool things, feeding people, that's amazing, turning water into wine, raising dead people. Only God can do that, right? But their faith is still a little bit, uh, I'm not certain. And you and I are the same, right? God, we understand. We have faith in you to do that for the disciples back there. We have faith in you to do that for Abram. We have faith in you to close the, the lion's mouth for Daniel, but we don't always have faith, God, that you can bring my parents back together. I don't always have faith, God, that you can heal the broken relationships that are around me. I don't always have faith, God, that you're big enough to forgive me of my sins. Because I'm aware of just how bad my sins are. And maybe my faith isn't that big. And you see the disciples, when they're out in the midst of the storm, when they're out in the midst of the sea, they're on the lake and they're terrified. And they thought it was a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Remember last week? What's one of the enemies of our faith? Fear. Right? Fear. We start to have faith. And we start to think something is going to happen. And then all of a sudden we look at the people around us and we become fearful and afraid. And we're there like, oh no, I can't do it. But God called me to do it. Yeah, but I can't do it. And we're struck with fear. What if? What if the scene of your greatest, what if the scene of your greatest storm is a setting for your greatest breakthrough? Think about that in your life. What if the storm that you're in is a scene for the greatest breakthrough that God has plans for you and he has a desire for you, but all I can see is the storm around me? That comes natural, right? We look around and we see the difficulties, we see the waves, we see the wind or we feel the wind and we're amazed and we're just there like, God, I don't know. But maybe that storm that we're in 
is the opportunity for a greatest breakthrough in your faith. I want you to take a look at this, and because we're going to go back to the verse that we started this out with that says this, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. The storms they were in was not anything of their wrongdoing. As a matter of fact, they were being obedient, and they were in the midst of a storm. See, sometimes we're really good at blaming the devil. We're good at blaming Satan when I'm in the midst of a storm. Oh, it's, it's, it's God. It's, it's, it's God is allowing this to happen, but Satan is attacking me from over here. And we, and, we think that it's, and we think that it's evil. We think that it's that boss of ours. We think that it's that spouse of ours. We think it's those kids of ours. We think it's the parents of ours, the teacher of ours, whatever the situation may be. We think it's them. And yet maybe in the midst of the difficulty, maybe in the midst of your struggle, maybe in the midst of what you feel is going to break you, in the midst of looking out terrified and saying, it's a ghost. Maybe it's someplace Jesus has you. Maybe it's someplace God has you because he wants you there, because you need a breakthrough moment. And in this moment, what are we going to do? Are we going to see, are we going to look to God, or what are we going to do? As we continue forward in the story, we're going to see what happens with the disciples here, right? Um, when his disciples saw him walking on the lake, going back, all right, and recovering, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus, what did he do? But Jesus suddenly steps in, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Do we need that moment in our lives where Jesus speaks into the midst of the storm that you're in, into the midst of your life and says, hey, it's me. Take courage. Be strong. Get rid of that doubt. Get rid of that fear. I am with you. I will never forsake you. Lord, if it's you, Peter cries out. Tell me to come to you on the water. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Mark chapter 6 gives us the parallel passage of what is taking place here. And in Mark, he actually tells us that as Jesus is walking out onto the, onto the lake, he is actually walking in a way that encompasses the boat to make sure that they see him. He's not out walking on the lake to just go past him and say, I don't know what's taking you guys so long. Let me continue on and... I'll get over to the other side and wait for you guys there, right? That's not what Jesus is doing. If Jesus had wanted to, if he had wanted to calm the storm, what did he need to do? Just back at, just back at the beach. Peace, be still. We've seen that one before, right? That took place. Peace, be still. The disciples, all of a sudden, everything would have, the waves would have calmed down, the wave, and all of a sudden, they're moving. Maybe they would have looked back, seen Jesus on the, hey, Jesus, thank you, right? And give him, and give him praise and glory and say, thank you for doing that for us. But for some reason, Jesus wants to come out to them. He wants to come out because in the midst of this storm, he is after something. He's after them. He's after individuals that are following him. He's after their hearts. He's after their minds. Peter, in the, in the boat, looks out and he says, hey, hey, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come. Tell me to come on out. I want to walk on water too. And Jesus responds, come, he said. Then Peter got out, down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. 
How about that? Two men in history have walked on water. Peter, you're one of them. All right? You walked on water. We don't know how far. We don't know how long. We don't know what it was that took place. We can make our speculations. or But what we are told is that Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. What John, Orp, John Orborg, a, a pastor, wrote the book say, that said, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. You see, there were 11 other disciples that were in that boat. They all saw Jesus walk out. They all were fair, afraid. They were all terrified, and yet they all saw him there. And yet Peter is the one that said, hey, can I come to you? And he gets out, and he walks on the boat. You see, wavy faith believes that God can do something new through me. Do you have that kind of faith? See, sometimes we think it's got to be the spectacular. Maybe wavy faith is thinking about and starting that business that you've been dreaming of and stepping out in faith and taking a few steps and saying, you know what, God, we have faith that you will lead us through this. And we want to do this for our family. We want to do this because it's a passion. We have a desire that we want to do that. Wavy faith works in the lives of people, stepping out, stepping out of their comfort zone, stepping out of their boat. You see, wavy faith believes God enough to follow him. All right, it believes him enough to follow him beyond what seems reasonable. Sometimes it's just more reasonable to continue to work at the job that I have than step out in faith and say, God, maybe you have something greater for me. Maybe you have something else for me. You see, wavy faith says, well, it's a broken relationship, but at least we're okay. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just keep it like this. Maybe we need to step out in faith. You know what? Wavy faith says working with children in the children's ministry, as Dawn was up here, is for crazy people like Dawn. And maybe some of us need to step out, and we need to go do that too, right? Because maybe we're crazy as well, right? Don't tell her that I said that, even though she's back listening to me right now. <laughs> Wavy faith. We don't know what it is. We see the spectacular ends of everything that everybody else did, but we don't always see what it started as, right? Wavy faith sometimes starts with just that little nudge forward. Peter, Lord, if it's you, can I come to you? Come on along. And God says, let me start something new through you. But I don't know how. That's okay. I do. But I can't do it. I'm not. That's all right. We'll lead you along. But, but, but. And we sound like Moses suddenly, right? When we're called to do something for God, we develop that stuttering problem. Where they're like, God, you, you got the wrong person. And we can't do it. And God said, you know what, Moses? I can use you in this circumstance. Come and follow me. Wavy faith. Are we willing to step beyond what we think is reasonable and follow God? The story goes on like this because Jesus is in the works. Jesus is in the midst of grabbing these men that are in the boat, right? But when he saw the wind, this is Peter, when he saw the wind, he was afraid, right? Fear comes back, right? Faith, I'm walking to you. But I look around and I see the results and Peter realizes Normal people don't walk on water. He began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus, right? Immediately, see this, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. 
You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? You were doing it. And yet doubt stepped in and caught him. You see, sometimes when it comes to this idea of faith, see, we all put our faith, we put our trust in Jesus Christ to get into the boat. And just look at that boat as something that is going to save you from your greatest problem. It's going to save you from sin. But once I'm in that boat, I see that boat as my safety. I see that as my comfort zone. I see that as my cushion. And even though the waves and the wind are against us, at least I'm safe in here. Whatever you do, Jesus, don't call us out there. You get in here with us. And sometimes Jesus is outside there saying, "Uh uh-uh, you come to me. Each one of us, at one point, we were little. And at one point, we were learning to crawl. And at one point, as you were learning to crawl, you started to stand up. And when you started walking a little bit to start with, you had your hand on the couch, on whatever it was that you could. And mom and dad were right there waiting for you. Come here, come here. Take that step of faith towards me. And what did mom and dad do? They reached out and caught you when you started to fall, and they lifted you back up. And somewhere along the line, you learned to walk. That step of faith. You weren't an expert at it to begin with. Many of us aren't experts at it now. We still trip regularly, right? But it's true in our faith as well. You see, we want God to come in. God, just settle the storm. Do that peace be still thing. You know what, God, could you just do, could you jump in the boat with us? We'll feel better, right? Because we know what you did last time. And God's there, nope, nope, come on out of the boat. You see, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. And when they, and when they that is Jesus and, the, and Peter, had climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Do you think Jesus had a purpose that evening? You see a group of men who were out on the ocean. They were nervous, excuse me, out on the sea. They were nervous. They were scared. They were afraid. And yet as a result of what God did, as what Jesus does, truly you are the Son of God. Faith in God grows as you follow what it is that he has called you to do. In my life, I, I, there's a few moments in life that you can look back at and you, just, um, and you just see God working in your life. And at the time, you didn't really know it. At the time, I didn't really realize it. I mean, I, I knew that he was at work, but, but I'm just like, ah, you didn't, you didn't realize what a big decision that may be in your life, just that little first step. But back when I, um, when I was in college, I started going to a church. Um, I went to college down south of uh, Harrisburg in Pennsylvania. Um, went to actually Penn State's finest university now, Messiah University. Any Penn State people in here? I just insulted you. Anyway, just joking, just joking. But um, anyway, um, and, and when I started there as a freshman, second, second semester of my freshman year, I started going to a church, Bible Baptist Church in Shiremanstown, Pennsylvania. And, and as I started going to that church, I, I really liked that church. Um, it was an amazing church, number one, to just step into because of its size. It was probably around 700 people, I, I don't know, and built for about 1,500 to 2,000, something like that. When you grow up in Nichols and Tioga Center, um, and you go to Tioga Center High School, you don't see churches like that very often, correct? Correct, I'll help you out. You don't, okay? All right, so when I went there, as a matter of fact, I used to call it the stadium, all right, my, my friend, I'm a big baseball guy, and, um, and I, I would call it the stadium, and it was set up with four sections across the bottom, a front section for each one, and then a back section for those four, and then it had an upper deck, 
as well, all right? And I used to call it down the first baseline, second base, shortstop, and third base. I'm sitting over on the third base side, you know, if you're talking to a friend or something like that. Oh, I'm sitting up in the upper deck. I'm sitting in, up in the right field, right? Whatever the case may be, that's how you, and I would invite my friends to come to, co- to school with me, excuse me, to church with me, my friends from college, I'd invite them to come to church with me. And, and when I invited them to come to church with me, they, I had a few that would even say, are you going to the stadium? Yes, I'm going to the stadium, right? And, and, that, and that's, the, that's the way it was. But all through college, I went there, and, and I was a good, uh, went Sunday mornings, Sunday nights. That's, you know, that's how I was brought up. Um, I even went on Super Bowl Sunday. One year. <laughs> he went over. I said, we can't do that again. Anyway, uh, who goes over? No, anyway, on Super Bowl, anyway, I, I digress, I digress. But uh, I kept going there, and after I graduated from college, I started a job down in that area, and I kept going there. I was dating my wife, my, my, my wife now, I was dating her at that time, and, and we would go there to church together. And, and at some point, I just remember this, I was in my early 20s, 22, 23, I just remember saying, you know what, um, I need to become more involved in church or else I need to just say, that, that's it, I, uh, I'm good enough, I'm just going to be a Sunday morning Christian and call it a day, right? That, that's it, and call it a day, and that, I'll be content with that. But there's something tugging at your heart that you know you can't do that. And I say, you know what? And God says, you know, we want you to become more involved in this church. So she and I decided that. We, you know what? We're going to go. We're going to become more involved. They had a college and career group, and what did we do? Back then, you wore your suit and tie, you looked all nice, everything like that. And if you didn't wear your suit and tie, you at least wore your khakis, blue shirt, and a yellow tie. All right, those of you from around then, you remember that. All right, that's why I still wear khakis today. Anyway, anyway, part of my test. You walk all the way to the front. You feel embarrassed. You walk all the way to the front because we show up, um, and people are already sitting in the good spot. So you got to walk all the way to the front, and you're just like, uh, please don't notice us here, right? Um, but we started to grow from that. And as a result of that, we developed some lifelong friends that are a little further ahead of us in life. And we asked them about our kids, different things about raising kids and stuff like that. You know what happened from that? I developed a relationship. I became, Deb and I actually became members of that church on the very same night as, as the youth pastor that they were bringing in would. And all of a sudden, he comes to us and says, hey, would, would, you, guys be willing to, uh, would you guys be willing to work with youth ministry? Remember how I insulted Dawn earlier? They look at anybody that can help with youth ministry, right? <laughs> oh, hey, oh, you're good enough. Come on, let's go help. Dave became one of our close. Dave and Sue became our closest friends there, and as a result of that, our lives started to grow. Our faith started to grow. Somebody that just could show up Sunday morning, suddenly, all of a sudden, we are moving forward in the church, and we're like talking to Dave, and I'm like, maybe, I, maybe I'd like to go to seminary. Okay, go to seminary. Dave, maybe I'd like to go into ministry. Okay, maybe that's not a bad idea. Let's see what God is doing for you. And in my faith, I'm being pushed forward. Can I tell you something? As a junior or senior in high school, I had to take, excuse me, college, I had to take an oral communication class. I hated the idea of standing in front of a class and talking. All right, I never had any desire to stand in front of people and speak. But God just keeps pushing you a little bit. Finally, when you want to talk about wavy faith, you talk about getting out of a boat, right? I talk about the idea that you got to step out of the boat and into the water. I got a call um, 17 years ago, somewhere in that range there, right, from a pastor in Johnson City. Ooh, Johnson City. <laughs> By the way, that was my response to him. When he, said, when he goes to me, he goes, hey, Joel, would you, would you be interested in coming up and being a youth pastor? 
And they're like, yeah, but it's Johnson City. And he, go, and he says, these, these are the words that he says to me, and, and hopefully you understand this a little more. Um, he goes, but, but you have family in the area, and there's the whole area. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. It is the whole area. I don't want to go back there. It rains, right? Um, Aaron, I was picking on Aaron this morning, and I, and I put these on to pick on Aaron, and you know what Aaron called them? Broom County sunglasses, all right? And he's right. They are the Broom County sunglasses. No, 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 it's Broom County. It's not like Harrisburg is great, but it's not Broom County. Lord, are you calling me out of the boat? I, Florida, Arizona, Hawaii? I, but anyway, that little push. And God used that to grow my faith. And God used that to establish relationships that I am so thankful for. Hopefully there's even a handful of teens along the way that with a ministry team that we had an influence in their lives pushing them forward. Why? Because I'm great? I assure you I'm not. Why? Because I was sinless? I assure you I wasn't that either. Why? Because I was a great order? I already told you I had no desire to talk. Well, in front of people, hang out with me, you'll see I don't mind talking. And you're there like, check the time. But faith. Maybe it's time that we just took that first little step, that first little nudge. You know what? Maybe just go to church. Maybe just get involved. And for many of you, your story is even further down the road of where God started with something small back here. And he built into your life, moving forward, further and further down the line. And he's still doing that in your life today. And you can look back over it. And you're like, yeah, it wasn't that step out of the boat moment of walking on water. But it was that step out of the boat moment of doing something Jesus had called me to do. What's your story? What's your story going to be? Wavy faith. Are you willing to step out of the boat? and follow our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Pray with me, if you would, please. God, as we close our time this morning, Lord, I say thank you for each one that is here. And God, you have worked in our lives. You have worked, Lord, in, in faith in so many people in here. Even the faith of this community of believers, those that helped kick it off and get it started, Lord, they are here and they've touched the lives of so many people. God, who is it that you're giving a little nudge this morning in their faith? Who is it that you're challenging to step out of the boat and onto the water and follow you? Lord, I pray that you might work in their lives, that you might encourage them. God, we say thank you that you are a great God. And I pray this, Lord, that if there is somebody here this morning, if there are those here this morning that have not taken that first step of faith, of trusting you to jump into the boat, of realizing that you are a God who is worthy of our faith, worthy of our trust, I pray that you would reach out to them. If that is you this morning, I would beg of you, please do not leave this morning without putting your trust in Jesus Christ to save you from your sins. He's more than capable of doing that. Catch myself. Catch Pastor Jeff. Catch Aaron. Catch one of these members you see in front of you. 
let us know the good news of God changing your life. Lord, I ask that you might bless and encourage each one here. And we pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the name of the one who is able to do immeasurably more than we even ask, more than we think, more than we can even imagine, through the power that is in him. So it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Would you stand and sing with us?